You're listening to special programming sponsored by Stovall and Associates Law Firm. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning. This is uh, Vegas Law Talk. Uh, this is Leslie Stovall. Uh, today I have uh, Mr. John Wander, who's been a dear friend of mine for many years uh, as a guest. Uh, John, would you like to say hi? Hello, everybody. John, uh, how long have we known each other? I think uh, my recollection takes me back to the mid-80s. Uh, that's your recollection is pretty quick. It's right when you started practicing law, I believe. Hey, uh, John, the other day I uh, saw a movie called Ford versus uh, Ferrari, and I thought about you. Uh, I know uh, you were part of the Holman group or the Holman team. Uh, have you seen that movie? I did see the movie. It uh, brought back a lot of memories. Not exactly the most accurate movie in the world, but it was good. It was a good movie. So, Enjoyable. John. John, tell me, um, uh, what was your involvement uh, with the uh, Holman Group? And, you know, in the context of the movie, I think that movie dealt with the 1966 Le Mans race uh, and the GT40 project. Uh, So what was Holman's involvement, and what was your involvement with Holman at that time? Holman and Moody, they were asked by uh, Ford to um, undertake to have a uh, race, a, a number of the cars, basically in competition with Shelby American. Ford was not uh, that enamored by Shelby. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ford had done uh, business with Holman & Moody for many years. In fact, Holman & Moody was pretty much the national distribution center for all of their high-performance parts back in the uh, early 1960s. Mm-hmm. So when Ford decided to do this, I had been involved with a number of different projects within Holman and Moody for Ford, such as building their drag cars, rally cars, Mm -hmm. uh, things of that nature. And uh, uh, Ford requested that John Holman put me in charge of the uh, Holman and Moody GT project Mm -hmm. for the 1966 and 67 Le Mans effort. So what did did Holman and Moody do uh, with the GT40 to meet that demand? Well, we first got the cars, I think we first got our first car or second car, I'm not sure which, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do remember flying to California uh, with another uh, person from Holman & Moody uh, to assemble uh, one or two cars. And uh, as, as far as a race car goes, we, we thought there's a lot lacking here. Uh, one reason, prob- first problem was they were too heavy. Mm-hmm. And there were other problems with the cars, but Ford was taking care of those brake issues and things of this nature. And uh, transmissions, uh, Ford ended up developing their own transmissions. They were developing with uh, Kelsey Hayes Company their own brakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any event, we were we were we took the cars, we got them back to Charlotte where Holman, Holman and Moody was located. And um, I was given quite a bit of freedom to do with the cars, as uh, as we felt was necessary. To, turn them into uh, better race cars. What, what, where did the cars originally come from? You, you say you took delivery of a car, so that sounds like it well, was the, a- the actual chassis of the car was built in England. Mm. It, was, right. it was a product of the Lola company in England. All right, sure. Um, 
The design was done by a fellow by the name of Eric Broadleaf, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the cars were marketed as simply as a GT40. Uh, they had a small block Ford engine in them. Mm-hmm. And they weren't particularly marketed as a race car. They were marketed and sold um, as a... Uh, sort of a sports car? Sports car. Yeah, yeah. When, when Shelby first got involved with it, they tried to convert the, the, the street car into an actual race car. Mm-hmm. And they made certain changes to it. And, and then at some point in time uh, in Detroit, there's a gentleman by the name of Roy Lunn, L-U-N-N, mm-hmm. uh, who ran, who's an employee of Ford Motor Company, and he ran a, uh, an engineering shop called Carcraft. Oh, yeah. And he was uh, very much involved with um, uh, taking this, the standard GT40 and making a race car out of it. And he was the one who ultimately, after they decided the small block engine, would not produce enough horsepower uh, that they used the uh, 427 engines that were uh, developed for the NASCAR stock cars. Right. And yeah, that's quite a different motor than what was originally in that car. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And and uh, had to be changes made to the chassis to uh, to, okay. hold, to hold that car, that, that engine, because it was... The, the cars, the cars that you were receiving at Holman Moody, Moody uh, were those 427 uh, motors in those? These, those cars were uh, had been adapted for the 427 engine. Uh, what we did was go out to uh, Shelby shop. There's the basic chassis. We, we hung the uh, suspension pieces on it, uh, fitted the body to it, and, and then took the cars back to uh, Charlotte. So what kind of things were you doing to the car in Charlotte before you started campaigning uh, or racing that particular vehicle? Well, from the very start, um, our objective was to make the car lighter and to make the car safer. Uh, the cars didn't have roll bars. Uh, the fuel cells that were in them uh, were quite heavy. They're the whole the side, the left and right side of the car uh, between the wheels is all fuel. Mm-hmm. And they had these uh, very heavy uh, fuel cells that apparently Shelby American had developed, had acquired. Mm-hmm. And we felt that they were all too heavy. It wasn't, wasn't part of our progress is to lighten this car up right right uh so we put the first with the roll bars in. we had lightweight fuel cells made from mm-hmm. firestone company well you changed suspension pieces too did you not we we did change suspension pieces we had uh, all our own springs made with our different shock absorbers made mm-hmm. and we had our own stabilizers made the cars ran at daytona beach um and because of the engines in the rear of the car and and there's a lot of loading on the chassis in the, in the high bank corners. Uh, we developed a, an auxiliary uh, torsion bar to go on the right rear uh, to support the chassis. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you put a spring in that was heavy enough uh, to run through the high banks, it would be too heavy in the uh, too too heavy a spring in the um, in the uh, flat part of the uh, Daytona track. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was lots of things we did to the cars. We, the oil tank was up front. That meant the oil lines had to come down through the passenger compartment. Made the inside of the car extremely hot. Mm-hmm. Best thing to do was move the oil tank rear. Right. Um, they had uh, uh, aftermarket uh, uh, Stuart Warner fuel pumps that you could go buy at the uh, auto parts uh, store. The auto parts <laughs> store. Uh, very unreliable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went and sourced a uh, 
an aircraft fuel pump, a, a mm. pump that was um, uh, actually inside the tank, mm. which would, in those days, as far as automobiles go, was unheard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we concluded if they're safe enough for airplanes, uh, they're safe enough for this race car. So how long uh, uh, after you got your cars did you uh, come to race in Le Mans? Because the Ford and Ferrari show was about, uh, I think it focused on the 66 That was Le Mans. the 66 Le Mans race. Yeah. Actually, uh, as soon as we got the cars, uh, there was a race in uh, Daytona Beach, mm-hmm. which was referenced in the movie. Mm. We uh, had two cars in that race. Uh, one had an automatic transmission that Ford was experimenting with. Right. Um, the other car uh, uh, ran in the race and actually finished second oh. at the Daytona race. The next place we ran in the cars was at Sebring, uh, where Ford uh, won the race. with was a Shelby car. It was a, a version of the uh, GT40 Mark II. It was an open-top car mm-hmm. um, that Roy Lund had, had built. Right. Um, that car won the race, uh, set a new record, and the Holman Moody car finished second. So, tell me about the Le Mans uh, 66 race that uh, the the show was uh, based upon, or part of it at least. Uh, you, How many cars did you take over to uh, run that race? In 66, in we built four cars. Uh, three of them that were run by Holman and Moody, they were all GT40. Mark IIs, mm-hmm. that had the 427 engines in them, right. and a fourth car that we built uh, to be run by a Ford of France. So what about Shelby? How many cars did they take for that 66 race? They took three cars over there. Mm-hmm. So uh, how did that uh, uh, race go? I mean, uh, it seemed like a pretty exciting race. Um, uh, from your perspective, uh, uh, what was what stood out to you in the 66 Le Mans? In the '66 Bonds race, is um, it was it, we. I thought it was a pretty ordinary race. We had some uh, different issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had problems with uh, uh, the brakes. The Mons, you have a uh, uh, straightaway of uh, a little over seven miles long. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're dealing with cars that go over 200 miles an hour, mm-hmm. and at the end of that seven mile straightaway is a sharp right hand corner. And the cars have extensive braking. Uh, if you were out there, you would see that these discs on these cars are red hot. Mm. Uh, what happened is uh, uh, Le Mans, which 24-hour race, uh, you're racing at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's cold out, a lot of humidity. And the, we found that the, uh, the discs were undergoing thermal shock yeah. and resulting in in them flying apart, literally yep. pieces of the iron flying off of the disc. How did you guys uh, uh, remedy that, or were you able to? You uh, just kept <laughs> kept changing discs. <laughs> right, right. I wanted to ask you before uh, we talk about the finish of that race, uh, which was depicted in the movie. Uh, you had had told me in the past that um, Andretti was driving. Was he driving for Ferrari? No. Oh, Andretti was driving for Ford. Oh, okay. He, did he have a crash during that uh, race? Uh, he didn't crash uh, in that race. Mm-hmm. He crashed in the 67 race. Oh, I see. Uh, which caused a, a, a chain link events, which actually took out his car and two of the other cars that Holman and Moody had built. I see. Um, 
And and you built cars for Andretti uh, uh, later on in your career with Holman Moody, correct? I did. Uh, there was a circuit, a sports car series in the United States, and then called the Can-Am series. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were basically unlimited sports cars, mm-hmm. and um, the the uh, the uh, top cars in those days were the Ch- uh, Chaparrales, mm-hmm. which sponsored by General Motors, right? Uh, uh, McLarens, which also had uh, sponsorship from. Uh, or financial help from General Motors, mm-hmm. and and Ford really didn't have a car in the in the race at that time. But with a um, uh, a car was designed uh, in England mm-hmm. uh, by a shop that was run by Alan Mann, right. who and Alan Mann is the guy who built the the car and for the. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang movie. Right, right, right. Uh, the car you saw floating in the air. With the wings on it. Yeah, and that was an actual <laughs> car that Alan Mann had built for the movie. Um, and Alan Mann uh, designed a, uh, a Can-Am car. Um, not he personally, but uh, I forgot the name of the actual designer. Um, but that car was built with the idea in mind that Mario Andretti would drive it in the Can-Am series. I see. And so... Uh, Paul Newman was also part of that uh, Can-Am racing. Well, that's what got Paul Newman interested in uh, in, in racing at all. It was his first, that was his first introduction mm-hmm. to, um, uh, to sports car racing. Well, that's really interesting. I want to go back to the uh, 66 Le Mans. Uh, did, did Ford actually uh, uh, tell those cars to slow down and come across together? Well, we had already told the cars to slow down because we wanted to make sure that they finished. Mm-hmm. And the competition by this time had dropped out. Okay. So the cars were lapping uh, probably 10 seconds slower than what they would have been if they had been racing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Ford did for publicity purposes. They wanted the cars to, fraud, to, to be in the picture of coming across the finish line in the first three spots and had them line up that way. Did that actually cause Ken Miles to lose that race? It, it did, because Why? Ken Miles thought he was ahead, yeah. um, and he actually came across the finish line a couple of feet ahead of uh, Chris Amon or, or Bruce McLaren, I don't know who was in the other car, um, thinking that he had won the race because he crossed the finish line first, but the organizers of the race uh, ruled to the contrary. <laughs> they said because um, the... Uh, Chris Amon, Bruce McLaren car had had uh, started uh, further back in the pits behind the starting line that they had actually, when you took that into consideration, they had actually traveled a greater distance than the Ken Miles car. So they got the win. That's terrible. And uh, Ken Miles was very, I, I understand, very upset. I didn't have a lot of uh, input uh, uh, a lot to do with Ken Miles other than talking to him, and he seemed like a very nice guy. Well, between uh, 66 and 67 Le Mans uh, races, uh, it, was that when Ken Miles died? Yes. Uh, well, you were actually present on the racetrack when... I, I was. I was. What, what happened? What, what car was he driving, and what happened to Ken Miles? Is... He was driving a car that was called the uh, a J car. Uh, the J car was a creation of uh, Roy Lund, who we spoke about earlier. Right. Um, and it was a car that was built out of uh, uh, 
uh, aluminum honeycomb structure, and it was the, the, the tub, we call it, or the chassis, uh, was actually built by uh, four Ford by Brunswick Aerospace. Right. And uh, into this aluminum honeycomb structure, they had various brackets, which all the suspension was uh, bolted to, etc. And that was the J car. And the J car had a funny looking body on it. Uh, didn't have the greatest stability. It was light. It was fast. It basically had the same engine as the uh, as the Mark II's did. That'd be the 427. Yeah, 427. Right. And uh, so they were testing the car um, at Riverside, California, on the road course. They had lost control of the car uh, at the end of the straightaway and went off the track. And the honeycomb structure basically all fell apart, and um, and Ken was killed. You were you were we were talking about this uh, at one time, and you said you disagreed with the Ford analysis of what occurred in that crash. Well, there was no real Ford analysis. It was a test report from the uh, Shelby American people. Uh, I have a, a their version was that there was a mechanical part and the car broke, causing the crash. Um, I so happens that over the uh, uh, the back stretch of Riverside Raceway, uh, there was a pedestrian overpass which you could go on and stand on and look at the cars as they went by. And myself and a fellow by the name of Homer Perry, who was worked for Ford Special Vehicles and was the person who was uh, in charge of all of the Le Mans programming. Uh, he and I were looking at the car as it went by and it appeared to us that due to instability, the back of the car uh, came up, caused the car to spin out, and that's what caused the accident. Uh, that was not in the Shelby report. And in fact, after uh, Ken Miles' uh, uh, accident, the, the frame was, the honeycombed was uh, constructed differently, or it was assembled differently, is that correct? Yeah, the first thing that happened was is, is Ford uh, put the car away, uh, Ford, Ford was very adverse to uh, uh, bad publicity. Mm. Uh, so the car disappeared. And it, and it reappeared uh, uh, a number of months later as a Ford GT Mark IV. And that's the car that you see winning, that actually won the 67 race. Mm-hmm. And if you saw the movie of... of um, Ford versus Ferrari? Ford versus Ferrari. And at the end there, where Ken Miles got in a car, a red car, and drove off, and then you see the cloud of dust where he crashed, the car he got into was, in fact, uh, a, uh, Mark t- a Mark IV. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mark IV was really the J car. Oh. Uh, the difference being is, is it had a new tail. It no longer had the, the uh, short, uh, boxy tail that the J car had. And of course, they uh, did made a lot of structural changes to the to the honeycomb chassis. Um, so the problem never reoccurred. They never, when the car uh, was recreated as the Mark IV, there was no longer any uh, chassis issues with it. Well, you told me they they even riveted uh, uh, the the chassis differently. They did. The, to start with, the honeycomb chassis, which the honeycomb itself was about an inch, probably an inch, maybe an inch or an inch and eighth thick. Mm-hmm. Um, and originally, uh, all the pe- it, and it was glued together. 
It was all flat panels, and they were just glued together. Uh, and then the uh, the bracketry was riveted, but not all the way through. The honeycomb with spacers between it to stop it from collapsing. Right. It was just riveted to the skin, and it was glued. Yeah. Everything was glued. Right. Uh, so when the car was uh, recreated as Mark IV, uh, all of the uh, glue joints on the on the honeycomb tub itself were reinforced with angle irons that were glued and riveted through all the way through the honeycomb and all of the bracketry holding the holding the uh, uh, the engine the suspension pieces all of that was uh, properly installed glued and riveted all the way through how did your cars do in uh, the 67 lamaze race uh well um we had the two mark fours and and the Mark III, and uh, Shelby had the same. Um, the uh, Mark, the uh, with the Mark IV, the uh, uh, Mario Andretti was driving the, one of the Mark IVs for us, and um, he ended up crashing. <laughs> and when he did crash, uh, uh, just by coincidence, uh, another one of our uh, Mark IVs got swept up in the same accident. Mm as did the uh, uh, Mark II for Ford of France. Oh, man. And uh, that left us with only one Mark II left, and it had some form of mechanical trouble and was out of the race. Uh, Shelby's cars, their Mark II fell out of the race. Their Mark, One of their Mark IVs fell out of the race, and the only car left was one Mark IV, which was riv- driven by... Um, uh, Dan Gurdy and A.J. Foyt. They make it through? They won the race. There you go. And those are really uh, another set of drivers that were very well-known and famous for uh, their they driving were. skills. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, you, uh, uh, your work with uh, Holman Moody really sounds, um, well, it's very interesting. Lots of projects. It started out with the uh, uh, Falcon Rally cars in 1962. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I was in. Then we built. Uh, 1964, we built um, uh, Mustang rally cars. I was in charge of building those. Went to Europe uh, with them and uh, actually drove uh, uh, one of the service vehicles. Um, and uh, and stopped along the way and uh, and uh, fixed the Porsche. It was being driven by Ferdinand Porsche. Oh, all right. Uh, I fixed the I, his. Uh, shock absorber mount had broken and I stopped and fixed it for him. Well, you, uh, from rally cars, you went to funny cars. Well, I call them funny cars. I think you had a different designation for them. They, uh, Ford had built these uh, single overhead cam engine 427s for use in uh, NASCAR and NASCAR Mm -hmm. wouldn't allow them to run them. Mm -hmm. So Ford decided to use them uh, as drag cars. And they sent uh, 10 Mustangs down to Holman or Moody uh, and I was in charge of uh, uh, modifying the cars to put these engines in them, uh, altering the wheelbase on rear wheels to move forward mm-hmm. uh, three or four inches. Uh, completely different front suspension in order to get the cars, the engine and the cars. So we built those 10, and those went out to factory f- uh, uh, Ford drivers around the country. And... Um, and then, and then the, some of the uh, 
those cars were called FX cars, factory right. experimental. Yeah. Um, uh, and those are, those are the ones you'd see on the just a drag race, right? Straight quarter mile. Just straight quarter mile drag race, and they yeah. were pretty much pretty much standard looking Mustangs. Yeah. They had fiberglass fenders on, fiberglass deck lid, and these big, very large engines in them. Yeah, but uh, they were cranking it uh, uh, on a quarter mile. Huh? Yes, they were. <laughs> um, uh, but they uh, they evolved into an entirely different car. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, after we built those 10, uh, I was in charge of building four more of the cars, which had uh, extended front wheel base. The front wheels were moved, I think, 18 inches forward, mm-hmm. so they had very long hoods. The engines were moved back. Right. Uh, the bodies were now totally fiberglass. Right. Um, there was nothing on the cars that came off of a Mustang, though they did look like a Mustang because they were funny cars. Uh, now, nowadays, the funny cars don't look like the car anymore. Right. Uh, in those days, in, in the 19, you know, 1964, 1965, uh, the NHR rules were pretty strict. The car yeah. had still looked like a car. And, and where did the term funny car come from? I'm not sure where it was picked <laughs> up. I guess it was just because uh, the deviation from the standard car mm-hmm. um, was funny. It was funny looking. Yeah. yeah and, and from your uh, funny car uh, project, then you went to the GT40 uh, project. Is that correct? Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, after, yeah, I was put in charge of the GT cars after the drag cars. And then after uh, GT, you went to the Can-Am car. Then we built the Can-Am car uh, yeah. for Mario Andretti. Yeah, and after that, what did you do? After that, uh, that was the uh, end of, uh, that was beginning around 1968. Mm-hmm. And that's when Ford decided it was going to stop racing. Oh, and anyway, when Ford, when Ford, when Ford quit racing in uh, 68, um, they actually did some racing in 68. They built another Can-Am car. Um, but they they stopped all of the uh, uh, they stopped all of the uh, the GT racing yeah. and stuff. And, and uh, stuff you were doing. The stuff that I was doing. Is that when you went to law school? Uh, soon after, uh, I stayed all through 68 and John Holman decided that he could make a lot of money. Uh, taking uh, wrecked uh, uh, diesel trucks and uh, wetting different frames together and making one out of two pieces, <laughs> and he could, and uh, so we did that for a while. But I didn't have a lot to do with that. Right, what was going on? So I decided that uh, it was time for me to to move on, and and so uh, on January one, nineteen sixty nine. I uh, packed up and left, and left on good terms with Holman. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it came time to go to law school and I needed some money, uh, John Holman just sent me money. Oh, that was very generous. And um, I ultimately sent it back, you know, gave it back to him. Sure. But there's no strings attached. The only string attached was, he says, if I gave you the money, you maybe you'll come back. Uh-huh. Sounds like a nice guy. He's you, a nice guy. You, in fact, um, uh, are featured in the um, uh, history of John uh, of Holman Moody. Uh, there's a book. Yeah, there is. There is. And I'm, 
uh, in that book pretty extensively. Right. Uh, was Dottie uh, involved in uh, writing that book, by the way? No. No. Um, Dottie's... Uh, Dottie, uh, Dottie, uh, Dottie Parker at the time, and then was Dottie Wanderer. Uh, she was John Holman's executive secretary. That's how you met Dottie? That's how I met Dottie. Yeah. And um, uh, we were married in uh, 1960... 67, I believe. I have nothing but fond memories of Dottie. She was a wonderful person. Yeah. Wonderful person. And, uh, she almost didn't marry me because I wouldn't take her to Le Mans. <laughs> Did you take her to Le Mans? No. Oh. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I I had decided that nobody would go uh, from Holman and Moody hmm. who didn't have a specific job and need to be there. There, yep. were, there were a lot of different employees that you know, thought that they should be able to come and I said no. Yeah. Well, there you go. John, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, talking to you. I'd like to invite you back. Would you be willing to come back? Sure. Well, that'd be wonderful. Uh, again, it's so nice seeing you. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much, John. You're welcome. Good to be here. Thank you.